Chatter Up listeners, welcome back to episode 47. I'm joined by my co-host, and a lot of people don't know this, but this is his actual name, Oral Robert Rubin. Bobby, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's tough sledding right now for you. Maryland got absolutely pasted last night by Alabama, but here you are showing up to do the podcast. What is your mental state right now? Yeah, it's real mixed, you know, because you have the Maryland Terrapins who, who didn't really make it, but the team that named themselves after me, Oral Roberts, shocking, are making it to the Sweet 16. You know, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a give and take, but I'm going to take the good with the bad, and you got to push forward. Very bittersweet. We will talk all things NCAA tournament, including the aforementioned Oral Bobbies, Syracuse advancing, the disaster that is the Big Ten right now. We'll sprinkle in, of course, some Terrapins talk. We'll talk NFC East favorites, the Deshaun Watson saga, and the biggest NBA storylines of the week. We'll bring in the Quizmaster, of course, and we'll close it out with an NCAA tournament-themed Would You Rather. And would you rather be a supporter of this podcast or not? Because the answer is obviously yes. And if you want to support this podcast, go ahead, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at chatter underscore up. Also, hit us up with an email with any comments, questions, or concerns that you have at chatteruppodcast at gmail.com. Leave a rating, review, and subscribe on everywhere you listen to your podcasts. We're grateful. And because we are grateful, we're here for another episode. And with that said, Jared, are you ready to get your bracket busted this week? Oh, that was long before this podcast, Bobby. This is true. Then otherwise, let's keep moving. Let's do this and let's chatter up. Jared, is your bracket busted? I wish I could tell you it wasn't, but I'd be lying. That's right, because every single person's bracket is busted. I mean, it's crazy. But Jared, there's been the NCAA tournament. There's football free agency. There's the NBA. Baseball's on its way back. There's been a ton of things. Please kick us off. What did we miss? There is a lot to talk about, Bobby, but you mentioned it at the top there. We could not lead with anything else other than the NCAA tournament. The tournament started last week on Thursday, continuing through Monday. And the biggest storyline of the week, we mentioned it earlier, the aforementioned Oral Bobbies, otherwise known as Oral Roberts. Bobby, how fun has this been? And do you think the Oral Bobbies have a chance to actually make some, I'm not going to say win the whole thing, because that's tough. Do they have a legitimate chance to make the final four? It's been so fun to watch. And as a guy who fills out a bracket every year and always enters a pool for money, my bracket's completely busted. I had Ohio State make it to the Elite Eight, as I think many people did, especially with their run in the Big Ten tournament. But man, Oral Roberts is fun they are a fun team to watch i haven't had as much fun watching a team like them since i mean ironically florida gulf coast when they were dunk city and they were throwing it down in 2013 i mean that was really also really, 15 seed yeah also a 15 seed you know just they're so fun to watch great on them they play great basketball Acemus, or as it looks it should be absmus but you just don't say the b but Acemus, who's one of the leading or might be the leading scorer in college basketball He's no taller than six one generously, maybe yep. five ten, and he just he's, he balls outrageous. It's so fun to watch. To answer your other question, do they have a chance at really pulling this off? No, <laughs> I mean we're starting to get to that point. We start narrowing it down to the sixteen teams that are left, and it's just like, you know, do they really have what it takes 
to make it to the Elite Eight, the Final Four as a 15 seed? Probably not. But if they did, man, I, I'd be all over it. Outside of Maryland, I mean, that's I, I'm, I'm all in on Oral Roberts. Yeah, I'll say what has impressed me the most is their composure and their poise during the games. Because we've seen it a lot. Like, you'll see teams that are lower seeds playing the higher seed. Like, they might get off to a good start or they'll stick with them for a little bit. And then that higher seed at some point goes on like a 10-0 run. And the team that's in the, you know, the Oral Roberts spot would be like oh right now i remember like why we are the 15 seed they're the two seed and things like devolve pretty quickly and at the end and you look at the end of the game it's like oh the the team that was favored to win ended up winning by 15 20 points but that had not been oral roberts each of these games they've played against obviously higher seeds and even when things are not going their way they never lose control over what's you know never feels like the moment has gotten too big for them yep and it's been really cool to watch they're so entertaining. And and also, you know, they are perhaps the biggest contributor to what we learned was all 14.7 million yeah. brackets on ESPN's tournament challenge were busted before the end of round one. That's crazy. The last team to bust all the brackets actually was Maryland. After Maryland's game was official, all the brackets were busted when they beat UConn. I don't know, man. Is this the craziest tournament we've ever seen? Maybe, maybe not. But this this feels just like all over unbelievable, no? Yeah, it's probably very prisoner of the moment, but it does feel, and again, we didn't have one last year, so it's not like we can reference. I don't really remember the 2019 NCAA tournament. We were just talking about it the other day. Who uh, We said Texas Tech came Texas in second. Tech, we were like, yeah. we have no recollection of that. Yeah. So I don't really remember, but it does feel like there have been a lot more opening weekend upsets than usual. Like, yeah, there's always a couple of really big ones, but just looking at the seedings of the teams that are still playing, it seems like there are more high seeds than usual, but that could be completely anecdotal. No, for sure. It seems that way, but also, and you even look at a team like Syracuse, right? Syracuse was on the bubble and barely, and I mean, yep. barely snuck into the tournament. And now Jim Beheim, legendary coach, one of the greatest ever, his son, buddy Beheim is on the team and shooting like he's Steph Curry. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. The things that he's doing, he's put them in the sweet 16. Loyola Chicago is making another run at it. Is there one that you find that's like more surprising or more compelling than the other right now? Well, first off, I have to apologize to the Bayheim family. I, I'll be honest. I've long been a critic of Jim Bayheim because like he's been coaching forever. And yes, Syracuse is like always relevant to very good, but they have one national championship. It was when they had mellow best player in the country. Like, okay, he won once in it's what seems like 500 years, but I do have to give him credit. This whole thing with the 2-3 zone, you hear it every year. I, I just, I truly don't understand. Like, they've been playing this zone for years. It's not like they just came up with it. It's this new strategy. And every year, it's like you get to the tournament and everyone's like, ooh, the 2-3 zone. How do we deal with 2-3 <laughs> zones? It's like, how? I don't get it. Why have they not figured out how to deal with the I mean, the, he has to be doing something right. So I'll give him credit. And the same goes for Buddy Beheim, who I heard Buddy Beheim's name, like, I don't know, at the beginning of this college basketball season, it yep. was like, oh, Buddy Beheim. he's Jim Beheim's son. He's probably like the 15th guy on the roster, he's just there because he's the coach's son. He's basically just an assistant coach in uniform. But it turns out I was very wrong. Like, Buddy Beheim can play. I, he's been fun to watch these last couple of games, and so I have to apologize to Buddy Beheim. Yeah, he's super fun to watch. And equally fun to watch is watching Sister Jean in the stands. Yes, that's it. Yes. I mean, can anyone stop Sister Jean? She's unstoppable. I mean, come on. Like, you're talking about a team like Loyola Chicago, who, you know, 
no skin off their backs. Like they're, they're, they're a good team, but they're not, they've, they've never been one of the, you know, your top teams that's going to make a run at the championship. And yet two years ago, they make a run of the final four. And it's like, wow, that's out of nowhere. You know, same thing when like George Mason did it. Same idea. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's cool. Maybe they win it, but like that will never happen again. And here they are again, upsetting Illinois, who many people had winning the championship in the championship or at the very least in the final four coming out of that region. And they manhandled them, manhandled Kofi Coburn, manhandled Ayo Desunmu, and just, I mean, what a story for them. You know who Sister Jean's in the same category as? Tom Brady. You just you just don't bet. You just don't <laughs> bet against the two of them. You just don't do it. And so, listen, I, I hope it happens for them. I hope that they make a run all the way. I would love to see a celebration and a college party with Sister Jean throwing down. So you're saying some NFL team needs to sign Sister Jean to play quarterback next year. I hope Washington does. I hope they signed her as like a special <laughs> advisor. And so she just like prays for the team on the bench. That'd be great. Bobby, you mentioned Illinois there. So let's talk Big Ten, Bobby. What a disaster. I mean, for weeks we're hearing about how good this conference is coming into the tournament. They had nine teams in the field of 68. And now after one weekend, they're down to one team. The last of the eliminated was, of course, your Maryland Terrapins. Give us your quick thoughts on the Maryland-Alabama game, followed by how shocked you are that the Big Ten has just one team left in the tournament. Yeah, quickly on Maryland-Alabama. I mean, Maryland won the opening round game. You can't ask for much more out of a team like that. They win a first-round game, go up against Alabama. They were sticking with them for about, I don't know, eight minutes. And then Alabama really just, I've, I've never seen, or it's been a while since I've seen a team rain down threes like they did. It was, it was unbelievable. They weren't missing. And they, they did what a lot of other teams couldn't do is put up points on Maryland and they put up 90. So, I mean, props to them, props to Maryland. Maryland will be back next year to big 10 defensive player of the year. Daryl Morsell is a senior. He will not be there, but everybody else is returning. So I'm hopeful for next season. In regards to the big 10, I mean, here's the thing. Maryland's a 10 seed. They weren't supposed to win. Michigan State was an 11 seed. Weren't supposed to win. So there's a lot to that to say that like, well, it's not as bad, but also you have Purdue, four seed, Mm -hmm. upset in the first round. Illinois, one seed, upset in the second round. Iowa, two seed, upset in the second round. Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts. It, It is not a good look for that conference. I will say, I think there is something to be said for them beating up on each other the entire year and them being exhausted heading into the NCAA tournament. I think that's honestly kind of a cop-out. It, it's just, they're so talented top to bottom. I mean, even your bottom team, like Northwestern, was was putting on clinics of like solid defense and great play and fighting tough. And it's shocking that, of first of all, out of all the teams, Michigan's the one that that is, is the one, the last one standing, and that like Illinois and Iowa aren't there. It's, it's weird, man. Jared, let's switch gears for a little bit and let's head over to the pigskin. Let's take a look at the NFC East because it seems like they've made the most moves out of any division. Although maybe that's just my bias. Washington Jared signs Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one-year $10 million deal, assuming that he will be the starting quarterback as well as Curtis Samuel, Ron Rivera's old guy from Carolina. Dallas obviously re-signs Dak Prescott. The New York Giants make a huge splash in signing Kenny Galladay to a four-year, $72 million contract, much to the surprise of most people who thought that he would take a one-year deal. And the Philadelphia Eagles have Jalen Hurts. Jared, if you had to pick right now, who comes out as the division champion in 2021? Who you got? 
Yeah, it feels like some of these teams kind of took it personally about all the all the crap we were talking about them. Not just us, everyone that follows football last season trying to improve. It's a tough call. I mean, we could obviously eliminate the Eagles right off the bat. That would be obviously the biggest surprise of anyone clearly in rebuild mode. So let's eliminate them. And between the other three, Dallas has the best quarterback. We agree on that. So you could eat, you could go that way and just be like, and we know what Fitzpatrick is, right? We, we, he is what he is at this point. Daniel Jones, we don't really know what he is, but we know as of right now, he's definitely not better than Dak Prescott. So it, it would be easy to go with the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, like even when Dak played last year, were not that good. I think they were two and three when he got hurt, and their defense sucked. Now they brought in Dan Quinn. Maybe that makes a difference. I don't like personnel wise, I don't think they've made any significant moves on the defense to this point. So it, it feels like they're just hoping, okay, new coach, maybe he's got a new scheme. I don't know. Maybe they, they bring in some guys in the draft. I really like the Galladay move for the Giants, and it pains me to say that but he's really good and they needed a number one wide receiver. They overpaid him to a degree, but I think it's worth it. You know, trying to make the most out of their quarterback. But I think as of today, Bobby, I have to go with your football team. I I just, I I mean, the defense was great last year. You get chase young in year two. Yeah. It was awesome last year. You have to think it gets better. They didn't lose anyone significant from that defense. They brought in William Jackson. who's a good corner. And on offense, like like I said, look, we know what Fitzpatrick is. He's not going to take this team to the Super Bowl, but he's he can still be good. He's still like probably better than what Alex Smith gave him last year. When Alex Smith played, they were good. They won games. So sure, he's going to have every couple of weeks. He's going to have one of those two hundred and twelve yards and four interception games, and and they lose a game they probably should win. Yes, but I think if we're going today with the skill position group they have with McLaurin and Gibson and adding Curtis Samuel, as you said, the defense they have and the competency that Fitzpatrick brings at quarterback. I go with the Washington football team. What say you? It's funny. Cause I, I don't disagree with almost anything you said. I think Philadelphia is out. People are again, again, are betting on Dallas. And I just, with what defense, yeah. like with what defense, a competent defense, an average defense, let's say 15th in the league, they have a shot to win the division and, and make some sort of a run. I think their offense is very good, but that defense was so bad. I mean, really, really bad. And they didn't get much better. And so like, yeah. I, I don't see that happening there. Also look, Dak is Dak. And I know he's the best quarterback, but he's coming off a serious injury. Like how long is it going to take for him to get back and be the same guy? I don't think that's a guarantee. And I I don't think anybody that says it is knows what they're talking about. I just, that's, you can't guarantee that. So I do think it's between Washington and New York. And here's my thing. I love the Galladay signing. Saquon's coming back and that's not to be discounted. I also think without Saquon and without Galladay and with a very, and what in my opinion was a trash Daniel Jones, they nearly won the division last year barely missed out and that's because the philadelphia eagles blew the game against my team who i, I was happy about but it just like completely dropped it i don't know man i i think the giants have enough and i think they wind up winning the division and i also think two teams come out of the east and make the playoffs wow two teams after that crap show that was last year bold prediction early bold prediction for bobby bobby i wish we could just talk about on the field stuff that's way more fun but we have to mention what's going on with Deshaun Watson. His name's come up a lot on our podcast the last few weeks, but that was because of 
wanted to get traded. You know, the question was always like, all right, we know Watson wants to get traded. The Texans keep saying they're not going to trade him. What do we think happens here? But now you have a bunch of civil lawsuits being filed against Deshaun Watson by women who are claiming that he sexually assaulted them. So, look, obviously we can't, we're not going to comment on, on whether we think this is true or not. We have literally no idea. With this hanging over his head, though, Bobby, what do you think happens now in terms of like, do you think he gets traded anytime soon? Do you think he's forced to kind of just stay the course right now? Because I don't know. I, I've heard people go both ways on this. It's a really weird scenario to happen to a guy like this, right? Like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best players who has also demanded a trade, who the team has said no. And now he has these legal issues. Like it's, it's such an unprecedented territory. I don't even know what to compare it to. I don't think there is anything to compare it to. And with the signings of Taylor and Finley, it just begs the question, like, are they getting ready to move on? Is there a trade where the Jets send Darnold and the second overall pick to Houston? They run with Darnold. They draft whoever they want with the second, and they send Watson over and call it a day and say, you go deal with it in New York. That's not crazy to me to find that out because I also don't think Darnold's a Jet come the season starting. I don't know. If I was a betting man, I'd say that by week one, Watson is not a Texan. I just, especially like, you know, Cully's press conference and several of the things that he said are super weird. He like went on a radio show and like made some very questionable comments. And like three hours later had a press conference and like clearly somebody got in his ear and he cleaned up his phrases and he's like, yeah, he's our quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What are you talking about? It's just like, there's a lot of super fishy things going on here. Honestly, there's like no good outcome that comes to his situation right now in terms of the legal stuff, right? Like if he's innocent, that means people were lying and and that's horrible. And if he's guilty, that means he's a terrible guy and that's horrible. Like this is, this, this doesn't end well, no matter what. And so I don't think he's a Texan by week one. It's interesting. And I, I mean, I, look, I hate to make this talk about like the football ramifications of this because obviously the off the field stuff, the, the real life implications are way more important. If it's true, he's disgusting. And like, you feel terrible for these women, but it's just so hard. Like, you know, we, you mentioned the jets and we've talked about it on previously, the jets, I don't know if they were considering it or not, but when we talked with fed in the chatter chamber a few weeks ago, the question was like, should the jets trade four first round picks for Watson? Cause that's what we figured it would take three, yep. four and three at least. And now it's like, if you're going to do that, are you willing to, without knowing how this is going to be resolved, and there's no way to know at this it's point. It's a gamble. Would you give up three first-round picks and you find out three months from now, like, oh, my God, we just traded for, like, this scumbag? One of the key things to remember is that none of these are criminal cases yet, right. at least. They're right. all civil, right. which, which, which I think is an important distinction to make. And I think that's kind of the separation that the NFL makes of, like, where they butt their head in and where they don't, I, I don't know. I, and, and I think you're right. Like, even under these circumstances, do you take that gamble? The fact that we're even asking that question means every GM in the book is asking that question as well. And I think that his value could not have increased and absolutely, even if it was a little bit, has decreased. Jared, let's shift gears to the greatest basketball player of all time, LeBron Maybe. James. 
There's no maybe. He's the greatest. We can have that conversation later. Jared, which is a bigger deal? LeBron James being out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain with no date of return right now, or that LeBron James is now a part owner of the Boston Red Sox? It's interesting, Bobby. I mean, straight up, which one caught my attention more? It was the Red Sox thing. It seems like it came out of left field. Now, is LeBron unintended? <laughs> is he is he the majority owner of the Red Sox? Is he gonna be making personnel decisions? No, that, obviously not. But it is pretty cool. Can't think of another example. I guess Michael Jordan, Mario Lemieux were like active players who were also owners. There are several players, like I think didn't Mahomes invest in like a soccer team? Like yeah, yeah, that's team? true. In the Royals. Oh, the Royals. That's what I was the Royals. That's true. So maybe this is like actually not a big deal, but it just like caught my attention more because it's LeBron. I mean, in terms of the ankle sprain, like obviously that matters more to what we care about, but look, it's an ankle sprain. It's not, he didn't like tear his Achilles or his ACL. So he's superhuman. I don't think there's any question that he'll be back for the playoffs. And as long as LeBron is healthy for the playoffs, it's irrelevant where the Lakers finish, right? Like, sure. You'd like to have home court because there are fans in buildings now and that would be nice. But even if the Lakers end up as the six seed, if LeBron's healthy come playoff times and, and Anthony Davis is healthy, it doesn't matter. No one's going to want to play them. Totally. I totally agree. I just think it makes, honestly, what this does is it just makes for a more interesting first round. You know, maybe the Lakers draw, I don't know, Portland. That could right. be a super fun series. And they could get Utah, honestly, in, in round one. A hundred percent. Like that would be really fun. I'd also love to see them go up against Phoenix. Booker, Paul, and Aiton, that could be super fun too. I mean, I I think it just becomes more fun for us, the fans. You know, if they're the one seed and they're playing the eight seed, one through three, really, like you're not really concerned. Could they fall to a four, five, or six seed? Yeah, they could. I still bet on them to make it out of the West if they're fully healthy. But like, it makes for a much more entertaining first and second round. And so I'll give them that bigger deal. Yeah, probably the Red Sox. I mean, you know, the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, but it's so weird to think LeBron, who's also a self-proclaimed Yankees fan, is now owning part of the Red Sox. It's weird. Let's stick with the theme of injuries, Bobby. It was a tough week at the NBA. Obviously, we just mentioned LeBron, but also LaMelo Ball, who was just bowling out. He was the presumptive favorite for Rookie of the Year, and now we find out he broke his wrist. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. Bobby... Do you think LaMelo can still win rookie of the year, even knowing he's now going to miss whatever it is the next 30 games? Yeah. Yeah. What are they playing now? What? 30, 35 games, 40 games. Yeah. They played about 40. So they've got about 30 to go. Play 40 games. Clearly the front runner. I mean, at this point, right. It's like, it's, it's Anthony Edwards award to lose. If you assume that he plays really well throughout the end of the season, he probably gets it. But if he plays even average ball, who is the rookie of the year? The guy that is the best rookie. That's LaMelo Ball. And much to my chagrin, like, I didn't think he was going to be this good. He looks great and has, I don't know about single-handedly, but had a significant role in making the Hornets as successful as they've been. Yeah, we saw something like this a few years ago when Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year over Joel Embiid, and Embiid played like half the number of games, was a better player, but there's something to be said about actually getting on the floor, and, and I get that, 
But in this case, like, look, Anthony Edwards, his numbers are, are, are decent. They're pretty good. But his team stinks. They're just not – they're not a factor. And you're right, it wasn't single-handedly, but the Hornets – granted, it's the – you know, the Eastern Conference is actually not bad this year. And the Hornets were a playoff contender. They were about 500 team, probably would have found themselves in the play-in tournament. And so – Unless Anthony Edwards really turns it up these these next 30 games, I think Ball probably should win the rookie of the year. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the guy's been absolutely unbelievable. And finally, Jared, let's close with the unfortunate and untimely passing of Elgin Baylor, one of the absolute all-time greats. Truly a guy we're going to miss. Yeah, Elgin Baylor goes down kind of as like the forgotten great Laker because – when you think of like the greatest Lakers, obviously like if you're around our age, you're thinking of Kobe and Shaq and if you're a little older than us. You're thinking of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jerry West and Wilt Chamberlain. And Baylor is kind of like the forgotten guy, but he was amazing. Like I looked at his stats today after I saw that he passed. He just three year stretch from 1960 to 63. It was three seasons where he averaged 35, 17 and five assists. Just unreal. Jeez. Jeez. One of the greatest never to be forgotten. All right, Jared, the NCAA tournament is happening. There have been tons of upsets. You already knew how I was going to introduce this. You knew this was coming. I knew it. I knew it. I just want to see if it, let's see how far you go for it on the exact same wavelength. Jared, the oral bobbies, the there oral it is. bobbies there it is. have won <laughs> two games and are in the sweet 16 Therefore, ergo, it is only right that I also continue the trend of upsets <laughs> and take home the victory today. Are you ready to be the Ohio State of this trivia competition? I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Are you going to do the oral Bobby proud or let them down? It's the big stakes here now. Huge stakes as we bring in our guiding mentor, the quiz master, Jeremy Tuck. How is it going, man? It's going great as usual. How are you guys? I love the oral Bobby thing. That's great. I would love to take credit for that. That goes to Jared. That was, he coined that <laughs> term that goes to him. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. Cause I don't think like that's, that may not age well. If they lose the next game, like no one's going to remember this. I will remember. <laughs> you know what? People still talk about Florida Gulf, Florida Gulf coast every that's now and right. then. That's right. Around tournament time. Wait, who's the team that beat the Virginia's the one seed? UMBC. Okay, there you go. Um, <laughs> this quiz has nothing to do with college basketball. Okay. Um, yeah, Quizmaster, not a not a college sports guy. You may have noticed based on the fact that I never <laughs> did a college sports quiz. Um, baseball is coming up soon, guys. It is. It is, it is indeed. And we're going to do an over-under quiz on baseball. But All right. None of these questions have anything to do with the last hundred years of baseball. <laughs> great, we're talking great, mustaches. Great. We're talking old school baseball, awesome. the dead ball era. We're talking uh, spitballs. Yeah. We're talking mustaches. We're talking old Hoss Radborn. Old I, Hoss. He's All the right. guy. Let's do this. He is a very interesting guy. He actually has his own Twitter account. I'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> 12 questions on the dead ball era. Over, under. Um, toss a coin. Oral bobbies. Heads or tails. All right, Jared, I'm thinking of, I have a number in my hand, one or two. Go ahead. Two. It is two. You get to choose. Okay, I'll, I'll kick us off. I want to go first. Okay. All right, one through 12. 
I'll stick with two. All right, number two. Okay, what is the most losses a team has had in a single season? This was achieved by the 1899 Cleveland Spiders, who have been a topic of conversation on our quiz a couple times in the last month. Yeah, right. So I, I know that, like, in terms of numerical... So, okay, let me just clarify this. This is only in the dead ball era we're talking about. We're not talking about baseball history. We're, we're confined to a oh, specific time period. Well, it happens to be the most losses a single uh, team has ever had in National League history. Interesting. To date. Oh, this, wait, was this just... Yeah, okay, interesting. Because this I thought, is to I, date. The, I guess the Mets have the worst percentage then. I always thought that they had the worst... Uh, that's not true either. Okay, interesting. Okay, so I, I know the... Okay, the Mets lost 120 that year in 62. So you're telling me that's not the most. So I'll say 124. All right, Bobby, is the correct answer higher or lower than 124? Can you confirm that it was a 162-game season? Uh, it was 154 games. Okay. Okay, and you're saying they went 30 and 124, Jared. Um... I'll take the over. The correct answer is 134. All right. Hey. Uh, okay, so Bobby up one nothing. Uh, Enjoy it. Has control. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's uh, let's stay with the lower numbers. We'll do question one. All right. So Babe Ruth broke the home run record in 1920. Was it 1920 or 21? With, with well over 50. He broke the home run record set by Ned Williamson in 1884. How many home runs did Ned Williamson hit? Ned, one of my all-time favorite players. Are there any other like good Neds around now? I can't think of any. I can't other, think of like, one Ned athletes. Not well, I'll one. tell you. In t- I looked this number up in two places. One of them called him Ned Williamson, and the other called him Ed Williamson. Interesting. Controversy. (laughs) There's a little bit of controversy in my sources, but both of them had the correct number. How about, um, how about 23? All right, Jared. In 1884, did Ned Williams hit more or or fewer than 23 home runs? That's a good number you said there, Bobby. I was hoping you'd go lower. Um, 23. I'll take a slight under, but it's an under uh, nonetheless. It's an under? All right, the point's going to Bobby. Woo! Ned Williamson hit 27 home runs. Most nice. of them at home because Lakefront Park in Chicago had a fence of about like 190 feet. And, <laughs> hit ball, and for that season and that season only, balls hit over that fence were ruled a home run. That's Every other wild. season, it was a double. I so, could have hit 30. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but anyway, for that season, he had 27 home runs. I think he, he never had more than like 10 any other season in his career. Amazing. Uh, so it's 2 nothing. Bobby. He was, the, he was the original Brady Anderson, Bobby. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> nice call. All right, Jared, it's your pick. I got to get on the board here. So let's go with number five. Number five. Okay, you have unlocked the old Hoss Radborn question. Nice, right. nice. In in 1884, a, a magical year, 
Um, Old Hoss Radborn pitched for the Providence Braves. How many games did he win that season? I'll, I'll tell you why it's significant. It's a record that will never be broken. Um, I'm going to say 40. All right, Bobby, is the correct answer higher or lower than 40? So, back then, they had, what, you're maxing out of like two pitchers, a team, two starters, and they probably pitched every other game. Yeah, more <laughs> or less. And then you have 154 games, so let's say he's pitching 80, he's, let's say he starts 80 games, and you say 40, I'm going to, I think he was better than 500, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the over. You're correct, the correct answer is 60. Nice. What? Nice. <laughs> he also struck out 441 hitters that season. 60 wins, 12 losses, ERA of 138. He pitched nearly 700 innings, the poor arm. Unbelievable. Anyway, Amazing. Bobby, Bobby's up three zip right now. This Love is embarrassing. it. He's pitching a shutout. Love it. Like old Hoss? Ah, very <laughs> true. Very true. Old Hoss Ruben. <laughs> All right, Bobby, you have control of the board. All right. How about in honor of the greatest shortstop of all time, Cal Ripken Jr., number eight? All right. In 1894, for the Boston Bean Eaters, Hugh Duffy set a record for the highest batting average ever. What was it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the thing is, is like, I... I don't know if the absurdity of 60 wins translates over to batting average, you know? Like, did somebody right, hit 500? Right. Like, is that really a thing somebody did? Um, how about, I don't know, man, 475? 475, Jared. Did Hugh Duffy in 1894 bat worse or better than 475? That's so high. My head is telling me to go under, but I've just been burned by these unders so many times that I, I'm sure this will be the one that I get burned on going over, but I'll say over. The correct answer is 440. All right. Damn it. All right. Bobby takes a four zip lead. Yeah. Hugh Duffy hit 440. I got to get going here. I need to, the run starts right now. Okay. I mean, I, I know that's what Ohio State was saying the entire game on Friday like it starts now but I'm not gonna let this continue all right give me a number number 10 number 10 okay Owen Wilson not related to the actor of the same name um set a record for the most triples in a season in 1912 how many triples did he hit 50 all right no thought there Bobby it's right off the dome over 50. or under 50 triples 50 triples I guess it depends where he was playing. When he played his home games at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, okay, which was a triples haven. Yeah, but it made it made Pac-Bell Park or Oracle Park, whatever in San Francisco, whatever it's called, made that look like a joke. Fifty triples—that's a lot of triples. Like you got to It is. It it's, is. It's also like really aggressive base running, which may have been a thing. I'll take the over. The correct answer is 36. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm on the board, baby. A little, a little much, isn't it? That's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, all right. So Jared's on the board. It's four to one, Bobby. And Bobby, uh, you have control. How about 12? How about 12? Okay. 
Dutch Leonard for the 1914 Boston Red Sox set a record for the lowest ERA in one season in the so-called modern era. What was his ERA? How about 0.89? 0.89. Jared, is the correct answer over or under 0.89? So Bob Gibson, I think, was 1.12 in 1968. Mm-hmm. And 0.89 is obviously a lot lower than that. But, like, I, I feel like... I feel, I'm going to go under. I feel like somebody maybe, I don't know, got like in the lower 0.8s. It was close. 0.96. All right. Wow. wow. Damn it. And, and it's the only one where a guy pitched, I think, more than 100 innings that ever got under one ERA. Uh, Bobby, you're up 5 to 1. All right. Uh, Jared, I think you're the next guesser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go with number 7. Number seven. Okay, this is a fun one. Babe Ruth pitched for the Red Sox from 1914 to 1919. How many games did he win for the Boston Red Sox? Okay, so that's six years. He was a very good pitcher, as we know. He won 20 every year for six years. That would be 120 wins. 20 might be low because they pitch more often, obviously. I'll go with that number. I'll just go straight up 120. All right, Bobby, is the correct answer over or under 120 wins for Babe Ruth? I'll tell you, I think he won like two games for the Yankees. Yeah, but he was and a they're... good he was a good pitcher and he pitched more frequently, which means over six years he probably won more. I'm gonna go over. Correct answer is 89. Wow. Oh, not even 100. I'm wow. So, I'm shocked. You wonder why they didn't keep him in the rotation. Anyway, that's 5-2, to two, Bobby, now. Still a um, Yeah, it's still very much a game. Uh, Bobby, you're the next one. How about 11? How about 11? So in 1920, George Sisler broke the record for the most hits in a season. Ty Cobb set that record in 1911. How many hits did Ty Cobb have that season? So Sisler broke Cobb's record. I think Ichiro. Mm-hmm. Ichiro okay. has it now. Yeah. Ichiro has it now. Right. So I think Ichiro's number was like 262, something like that. So Ty Cobb had, I don't know, 237 hits. 237 hits, Jared. I think it's under that. I don't think Ichiro's number was that high. He might have maybe finished the year closer to that, but I I thought the record was like, I thought Sisler's record was closer to like 220. So so what what was the number that you said? 237. Yeah, so I'm going to go under. So Ichiro's Ichiro's single season record was 262. Ooh, right on the money. Wow. Wow. Well done, Bobby. Well done. George Sisler's record was 257. Okay, I was way off that. Ty Cobb's record was 248. Yeah! Wow. And a point for Bobby. Wow. So Damn, six this is rough. This is rough. Jared, you need to sweep the board or get something exactly right, or this quiz is going to Bobby. Okay. All right. It's gut check time. It is gut check time, and you're up. You have three, four, six, and nine left. How about number four? How about number four? Okay, so legend has it that 
people say the Chicago White Sox of 1919 was one of the best teams of all time, and they threw the World Series, how many wins did they actually have that season? They played 140 games, to put it in, in perspective. How about 102? 102, Bobby. The correct answer, over or under 102. I think the correct answer is over 102. The correct answer is not even close to 102. It's 88. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's still a point. It's a win. Yeah, it's a win. It's a win for Jared. The the White Sox were not that great, so it's six to three now. Are you starting to feel the pressure, Bobby? Listen, the oral Bobbies know how to handle pressure. <laughs> the oral Bobbies close when they need a close. That's right. That's right. How about question nine? All right, this is a funny one. Um, so Joe Sullivan is a guy nobody's ever heard of. He played for the 1893 Washington Senators and has the dubious record of the most errors in a single season. <laughs> How many errors did he commit? Oh boy. How many games were played that season? Do you know? Uh, they played in 129 games. They won 40 of them. Did he commit 65 errors? 65 errors. In 129 games, and it's literally one one out of every two games he's committing an error. That's quite bad. Yeah. Do you think it's that bad or worse? (sighs) One out of every two games? I mean, that is atrocious. And he kept his job the rest of the season. That's what I mean. Like, how could they have let him keep after, like, 60 errors? How could he kept putting him out there? I have to say under. So... It's worse than that. He committed 102 errors. Oh my God. How is that possible? How does he keep his job? 102 Um, errors? Did he play in all 129 games? 128 of them, yeah. That's That's incredible. That's unbelievable. Jared, that is the seventh point. That's the seventh point. Now, you can still get a couple of these on the nose. This is going to be hard to do, though. So let's let's <laughs> let's see if he can do it. Yep. There are two questions left, Jared. You have to get both of these on the nose, or Bobby is taking the dub. And yeah, and it's be tough. because I'm gracious, he can have both questions. Okay, great. So the first one I'll give you is the more gettable one. Okay. And I'll ask the second one after because it's just an awesome question. So question six was. The 1906 Cubs, who had of the famed Tinker to Evers the yep, chance yep. double play combination, had the most wins by a single team in National League history. Yet they lost the World Series. How many games did they win that season? Okay. Will you tell me how many games they played? I will. Very uh, difficult, but but gettable. Gettable. Yeah, gettable. The 1906 Cubs. They played in 152 games. Okay, 152. And you said they have they they had or they have the record for National League. They currently have the record for the National League. Okay. So the Mets won 108 in 1986. So it's more than that. I'm, I don't even know if that. I, I'm I'm sure another National League team has beaten that. Obviously, the Yankees won more than that, but they're not in the National League. So, but the, okay, but we know okay. The Mets, the 86 Mets won 108, so it's obviously higher than that. But it's only a National League record, and the major, the Yankees won, well, 
was it won 14 or whatever, and then the Mariners won 116. Yeah. Yeah, those are so both correct, but those right. are in the late 90s, early aughts. Right, right, but so it has to be in between there, right? Otherwise, this would have been the Major League record. Ooh, I like your deduction skills here. Okay, how about 112? All right, Bobby, it doesn't matter if you say over or under, but give a guess anyway. I'll take the under. The correct answer is 116. Wow, wow. All right, and so that means Bobby wins. Jared cannot win. The Oro Bobbies! <laughs> Bobby takes the win. The Oro Bobbies with not, the you know upset! What? It's destiny. I can't even be mad. It's, it's destiny. It was meant to happen. What could this I do is, about it? This is, God, I mean, this, all the stars aligned throughout the weekend. This was meant to be. Yeah. I am Kyle O'Banner. <laughs> I, I mean, has there ever been a better week for, for Roberts? That? I don't think so. Kyle O'Banner, for the record, is the forward who scored 29 points for Oral Roberts in the second round. He shoots 88% from the free throw line. I am Kyle O'Banner. I am the Oral Bobbies. I am the trivia champion of the world. Old Hoss Ruben. I'll take it. I'll take all the nicknames. Jared, for once, I've taken home that championship. Like I said, it was destiny. But at this time next week, I don't know where the Oral Bobbies are going to be. My guess is not still in the tournament. This will be a nice, and my guess is the same for your trivia championship. It's a nice story. Mm-hmm. It lasts a little bit of time, but soon enough, order will be restored to the world. Quizmaster, I will hang on to the belt for at least a week. And until then, we thank you again. This was lovely and fantastic. Enjoy it. All right, Bobby, we talked a lot of tournament in What Did I Miss? But we're not done talking about it yet. We got a Would You Rather on top centered around said NCAA tournament. So, Bobby, I will post you the Would You Rather. You are the noted college basketball fan between the two of us. And I look forward to hearing your response. So, ready. Oral Robert Rubin. We've had a lot of upsets this year. We talked about it already. And it's conceivable because both these teams are now in the Sweet 16 there is a chance that we could see a NCAA tournament final of Oregon, a seven seed, against Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean, an eight seed, which would be cool. My question to you, Bobby, is would you rather see that final, meaning two teams who are making runs that nobody saw coming? Obviously, one's a seven, one's an eight. Nobody would have seen them in the, in the finals. It would be crazy for those two teams to make it, but exciting. Or would you rather see a more conventional powerhouse versus powerhouse, number one seeds, Gonzaga against Baylor? And, and you can look at this from a big, big picture perspective too. Like just generally, would you rather have like Duke and Carolina in the finals? So, you know, big programs, number one seeds, really good teams, or two, you know, teams that are not as good as like as those two teams, but they're just on magical runs. Yeah, um, I choose choice C, uh, one and one. That's what I choose. Okay. And, and so, like and, Maryland Gonzaga. Right. Like I would love to see that as the, you know the one of the final four ch- opportunities to get into the championship. That'd be amazing, you know. And and the reason is like the reason we love these Cinderella runs and love any underdog is because they're an underdog because they're playing the significantly better competition. 
you know, if you go into that final with Oregon and Loyola Chicago, you know, I guess Oregon's the favorite. They like probably have the more talented team, but it's close. It's like, you'll get a good game, but you'll also know that you're watching two teams who probably aren't even in the top 25. And so that underdog Cinderella story becomes not nearly as exciting. Similarly, if you have it be Gonzaga and Baylor, you're going to see one of the best basketball games and it'll be a great game, but I don't have any vested interest in that on like a fan side of things other than just like to see the game. Now, if you told me that I could see Baylor against Oregon, that'd be interesting to me, or even more so Gonzaga versus Loyola Chicago with God knows what his name is. Big white guy on Loyola Chicago Crudwig. I mean, that dude is one. He is a not fortunate looking (laughs) guy, but he's just so entertaining to watch. You know that that's what makes the tournament so fun. Nobody really cares about UMBC as a team. They cared that they were a 16 C that overcame the giant Goliath. That's a story. And so if you're forcing me into a box that I have to choose, I'm going to choose the better basketball game. I'm going to choose Gonzaga and Baylor, but that's only because that Loyola Chicago and Oregon, they don't become underdogs anymore. They're just the teams that arrive in the championship. That's a good point. But if we go under your premise of scenario C, which is one of each, well, let's just say Gonzaga or Loyola, Gonzaga against Loyola, Gonzaga against whatever. The risk you run there is that you're, you're hyped up for this championship game and the magic just runs out. Right. And like Gonzaga just runs Loyola. I mean, maybe that, I, I don't know if that would happen or not, but it's it's more likely to happen with a one versus a whatever it is seven eight nine ten as opposed to a one versus a one or a one two and that that sucks when it's like you're pumped for a big game and after 10 minutes of the first half you're like oh right it's gonzaga they're up by 30 now i have no reason to watch the rest of the game it's it's a really fair point because especially this year with a team like gonzaga with tinny and crispert and God forbid, Jalen Suggs, you know, like this team is an offensive juggernaut and they'll run almost every team out of the building and have, you know what I mean? Like they just played Oklahoma and that game was never really that close after about seven, eight minutes. And they just, they constantly firmly held like a 10, 12 point lead because they're just that good. And so, you know, does Loyola Chicago stand a chance against them or Name your favorite underseeded team, you know, Syracuse, put Syracuse in there. Do they have a chance? Probably not. But like, that's what you're looking to see. Like, you're looking to see the underdog win. And if by halftime, Gonzaga's up 25, yeah, no one, no one cares anymore. That's not a classic. No one's interested. You'll remember, honestly, like, you'll probably remember that like Loyola Chicago made the championship, not that right. Gonzaga actually won. And so, and, and then the question is like, because, because you asked this earlier you know, which one is better for the NCAA? You know what I mean? Like which, which one is best? And it's so hard because this is something that we criticize college football for, right? That it's impossible for an underdog to win the championship. Yeah. It can't happen versus here. You have every single conference is represented. Every single one, everybody gets a team and you have somebody to root for even if your team doesn't make it, if you're like from like the Southland con- conference, 
or the Mac. You know, like you have somebody to root for from your conference, and that's fun. And for the championship, for the NCAA, sure, it's probably best with like Duke versus Kentucky or UNC versus Gonzaga because these have the largest fan bases. But the tournament is what it is, and people love it because of these underdogs, because there's nothing else like it. In baseball, not every team can win the World Series. Can't happen in football, can't happen in any other sport. But if you get hot in your conference tournament for just five games, you can make the tournament, and then all you got to do is win five more games, you win the championship. Everyone can do it. Yeah, and as a guy who generally like follows the tournament obviously i monitor what's going on but i'm not a huge college basketball fan like i need a reason i need a storyline to watch the finals because i remember a few years ago when it was i think it was gonzaga and north carolina right north carolina beat gonzaga a few years ago and i think they were both one seeds or if they weren't both ones they were obviously whatever it was one two i don't know and i had just no interest in watching the game like i i woke up the next morning and saw the score and i was like oh i forgot they even played this game last night because it's like I, there's just no whatever like unless unless one of those maybe Gonzaga is here because they'd be undefeated that's that's kind of an interesting storyline but generally unless it's like a big like for Duke Carolina to be in it would be cool like a, a huge rivalry like that would be cool but if you're just talking about like Gonzaga Baylor is what we mentioned where okay they're both really good teams there's no rivalry there there's no big storyline in a normal year, there's no big storyline. Let's just assume Gonzaga had a loss, so it's not like historic. I'm, pr- I mean, if there's something, if the Knicks are playing or there's like a show that I want to watch, I'm probably watching that. But, but if it's Gonzaga, Loyola, Chicago, you watching that game? Yes, absolutely, because it's like, all right, I want to see can this Loyola Chicago run continue? And knowing Sister Jean, it will. Fair, fair. Okay, so let's flip it back on you then. If you had to choose between, let's just use the exact same examples we had, Oregon and Loyola Chicago in the national championship, or Gonzaga Baylor, which one is more appealing to you than not such a big college basketball fan? I think I would actually go the Oregon Loyola Chicago because you're right. In terms of what's going to be better basketball, most likely the Gonzaga Baylor game. But it's like I just said, I, I even the fact that Gonzaga is undefeated, I won't remember it in like a year from now. But I think there's a better chance. You're right. The underdog story will not be there. But just the idea of a Loyola Chicago winning a national championship or even Oregon as a seven seed, not like a basketball powerhouse, winning a national championship. For me, there's more that there's more to grasp onto there than there would be to just watch two really good teams play. I hear you. I agree. I'm probably with you. Although I do want to see Gonzaga Baylor. To know that anyone can win a championship is so fun, and it's what makes college basketball special. It's all for naught anyway, because the Oral Bobbies are going all the way. Very true. Jared, I know it must have been a rough week for you. Your bracket got busted. You got upset by the Oral Bobbies, just like Ohio State. Are you? You all right? I'm enjoying it. You know what? I'm just going along for the ride like the Oral Bobbies. I'm happy for you. You know, like we said, tough times for you. Maryland's out. I'm happy for you that you had this week. 
what a great mindset and a better co-host and the best of friends. What a what a guy. What a real guy. Well, we have had a ton of fun this week. We're going to have even more fun next week. You'll get some more What Did I Miss? You'll get some hot takes. You'll get some chitter-chatter, some laughs, some jokes. It's not going to want to be missed. And you want to see me defend my trivia title? You're going to want to see it next week. You will, because it'll be the last week he has it for a while. We want to, of course, thank the Quizmaster for putting together this week's quiz. Thanks to all of our loyal Chatter Up listeners for coming back for this episode. Just a quick note, next week's episode will drop on Wednesday night instead of Tuesday night. Some scheduling conflicts, what can you do? But thanks for coming back and listening. Got a lot going on next week. We'll have the second week of the NCAA tournament. And, Bobby, baseball's right around the corner. We'll have our opening day preview. I am stoked. Jared, it's been fun. We are pushing forward. We're hitting record-breaking territory. I'll see you next week, Ben. And we will see you all next week on the next Chatter Up.